Hi, this is Tia Sarkar. I play Sabine Wren on Star Wars Rebels, and you're listening to Twin Suns Transmission. Of course, it ends where it becomes a desert planet with twin suns. Hey, my name is Taylor Gray, and I play Ezra Bridger in Star Wars Rebels. I hope you enjoy this week's episode of Twin Suns Transmission. Here's where the fun begins. Let's make this epic more interesting. You've taken your first step into a larger world. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Twin Suns Transmission. I'm your host, Eric Pfeiffer, joined, as always, by Jesse Sanfilippo. Hey, guys. Welcome to episode 181. We're very excited because today, Jesse, we're talking all about droids, and I know that's a staple of Star Wars, right? We've talked about bounty hunters, we've talked about creatures... But droids, right, robots, are such a huge part of Star Wars, and I feel like they don't necessarily get all the credit that they deserve all the time. No, they don't. I feel like droids are such an integral part of just not only making something look and feel like you're in the world of Star Wars, but I kind of wanted today to kind of think about where we would be without them. And just how much of our appreciation they truly do deserve. Um, And I think you can't truly do that unless you talk about the droid who, you know, some might say arguably, but I'd say pretty assuredly is the biggest role in all of Star Wars, which is R2-D2. I don't know if you agree with that. Maybe you could contend that 3PO, you know, is right there along with him. But R2, when you think about what he's actually contributed from, you know, the prequels to now, looking at everything chronologically, he's kind of the biggest player in the droid game. Oh, yeah. I I would 100% agree with that because if you think about everything that he's done, right? I mean, he was was Anakin Skywalker's droid, and even before that, he was the uh, astromech on the... Naboo Royal Starship, and he kind of got them past that blockade. He kind of, you know, propelled that mission, right? If it wasn't for R2-D2 creating, you know, bringing the shields back up and all that, I mean, they would have been sitting ducks, as Rick Lee says, you know, so they would have been blown to smithereens, and without R2 there, I mean, that's it. Mission over. And then Anakin, he was Anakin's droid throughout the Clone Wars, and, and we see how throughout the Clone Wars episodes, how attached Anakin became to R2-D2 and his involvement in, you know, Anakin's life and, and the missions that Anakin went on and the intel that R2 had for the Republic and, and how R2 continued on to go with Luke and, and other characters throughout the saga that, you know, he just, he's unforgettable. Right. He is, he's like the building block. Without R2, you know, there is no help us Obi-Wan Kenobi. Your only hope Leia would have had to find another way to get that message across. Luke would just be continuing his life as a farm boy on Tatooine. And it's kind of going back to what you were saying about Anakin kind of leads into the next thing I want to talk about is, you know, Anakin makes a big deal, especially in the Clone Wars, about r2d2 and his memory never being wiped and everybody obi-wan they kind of give him a hard time that 
he's never wiping the memory. He's, you know, compromising the intel of the Republic by not memory wiping R2. But but Anakin feels there's something just so important about our, all of R2's memories. And I feel like we come to find that it is, you know, more rare in the greater galaxy of Star Wars that memory wipes don't occur in droids. And so my question for you, Eric, is do you think that there's something about a memory wipe or not having a memory wipe in a droid that makes our hero droids more inherently like sentient or something that is that what gives them that extra like level of sentience, I guess, and, and hero abilities as a droid? Do you think that has something to do with it? Wow, you're you're going deep on this. This is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is the way my mind goes in a half quarantined world where <laughs> we can't hang out with our friends. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we'll talk about getting to that sort of like sentient point in a second here. But I mean, when you think about it, and I remember when I think it was called like R two Lost or something like that in the Clone Wars where R2 gets lost and he, you know, gets recovered by that that Trandoshan got knocked and they take him to the droid, you know, the droid listening center or whatever it is, the separatist listening outpost and, and R2's there and, you know, Anakin or Obi-Wan's like, yeah, you know, R2 units are a, a, a dime a dozen. We'll just get you another one. And Anakin's like, no, no, this is my droid. This is R2. He's never had his mind yeah. wiped. And he's like, what? He's still programmed with all the Republic's, you know, whatever. And Anakin's like, you know, it's it's actually been very beneficial for R2 to have all this knowledge and all this information. You know, because if you wipe his memory, then he may not remember X, Y, Z that could be useful to you on your next mission, you know, mm -hmm. or something like that. And I think R2 having his memories and R2 keeping that knowledge throughout the saga is, is very important as far as like, you know, sentiency. I don't know if that's a word, but if it isn't, I just made it yeah, up. Yeah, it works. Um, <laughs> I think obviously, you know, you don't you don't really erase humans' memories. Like that's not something that you do on purpose. And that's not something that if, you know, a, a a sentient species would be considered humane. Like it's not humane to erase someone's memories even if you were able to do that. So I think if if we want to consider droids as people or droids as sentient beings, you don't erase their memories. You know, um, I think with, you know, 3PO, if you think back to the Rise of Skywalker and him having his memory go totally black and not remembering anything, I think it's it's imperative that R2 had a memory backup for him, you know, to kind of put that in there and have 3PO come back to life. So obviously memory wiping is not humane. It's not something that is something that we would do to humans in our day. But being able to have that backup is nice. It's kind of like a computer hard drive, you know, saving it to the cloud. R2's the cloud. Right. So. Right. I agree. And I think, too, kind of going back to what you were saying at first, talking about, you know, the Anakin and the never memory wiping thing. I love that, you know, we kind of got that explanation and story in the Clone Wars of Anakin making a big deal about keeping um, R2's memory because... 
all the way into the sequel trilogy, we saw how important R2's memory, even though it played a much smaller role in the sequel trilogy, it was huge in The Last Jedi with R2, you know, coming up with to Luke and showing that age-old hollow message of Leia, you know, that originally inspired Luke to get involved in the first place and inspired him to get involved in the end again. And I love that it's kind of, we got that, you know, that shadow, that foreshadowing a little bit in the Clone Wars of just how important him keeping those memories would be for, for the entire saga, even in the end. Yeah, definitely. R2 is is unforgettable. So, even though he didn't play a huge role in the sequel trilogy, you can't you can't deny that what he did do in the sequel trilogy wasn't or was important. Right. And I do as far as sentience goes, the way I kind of view it is, you know, droids are obviously their programming, but when you kind of you know, in the world of Star Wars, you know, the the artificial intelligence is like, you know, top of the charts. It's it's beyond what we have, you know, gotten to in our own society, obviously. But I think the longer you kind of let a program run, you know, the more kind of bugs come up, the more things, you know, start working a little bit differently and you can start quirks kind of get let into the system and as artificial intelligence kind of works is it it learns over time and and adapts um when we kind of talk about you know these artificial intelligent you know systems even that are digging through social media and learning how to flag things for harassment or not harassment they're learning from the things we're typing to kind of build those types of programs it's like an algorithm that actually learns from society so I feel like if you look at droids like that too, like it makes sense that they would start to seem or become more sentient over time the longer they're allowed to run without, you know, wiping that. And I feel like that is kind of what creates like the hero droid, quote unquote. Oh, you are not off at all with that because <laughs> we see that in Rebels, right? You remember that like Imperial droid that's looking for the Rebel base that like, you know, Thrawn sends them all out there and there's that one that lands on Adalon and then he's fighting Zeb and then Zeb like does a move and then the droid like remembers what Zeb did and counters it. It's kind of like, did you ever watch the Incredibles? Mm-hmm. Yes. With uh, Mr. Incredible and he's fighting that little like, like ball robot. And then he like does that move where he jumps I, over I it and the ball learned. like remembers. Yeah. It's like that. It, like, remembers all the moves of superheroes of the past and, like, keeps improving itself. Yeah. Yep. Definitely like that. (laughs) And then also kind of another thing is kind of like you mentioned, we've got, you know, we see droids and the way they're handled in all these different kind of organizations. I feel like all treat their droids very, very different such as the treatment of, say, the Empire versus the Separatists versus, you know, the Republic and the Resistance. I feel like there's this huge difference in how they're viewed in different sections of society. And and then there's a treatment of the droids in the general public. And so there's kind of, 
this question that I have of is the way to, I mean, this might have kind of go into the sentience kind of thing, is, is the way droids are treated by these various systems, does that kind of also determine how willing they might be to to become the hero droid? Because there's not very many Imperial droids that you see just kind of, you know, fighting the system and, you know, taking matters into their own hands. It's always, you know, a rebel or a resistance droid that's treated in a more human way, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. I mean, because if you think about it, they treat them more as their own being. But if you think about the way that the Empire or the First Order or the Separatists even, I mean, if you think about Grievous, right? I mean, he smashed those droids. Like, they missed they missed a shot or something as the little pilot droid on the Separatist Dreadnought shoots and misses. And Grievous just, like, literally, like, smashes his head off. And Duke is like, um, those are expensive droids, Grievous. And, you know... <laughs> Grievous, like, he has to prove a point that he's not a droid, right? He's a cyborg. He's he's only part droid. And so, like, he has to prove a point. And these battle droids for the Separatist Alliance, they're just these cogs in this war machine. I mean, all they're there for is, is to fight, is to battle. They're not humans. They're not c to be considered people. You know, they have no thoughts. They have no feelings. They don't matter. They're just there to hold a blaster, you know? And then with the rebels, and you know, even if you think about like episode four, right? Luke's going to attack the Death Star. He's hopping in his X-wing, and the guy's like, "Yeah, um, this droid is a little beat up. Do you want a new one?" And Luke's like, "No, not at all. Like this little droid and I have been through a lot together. Are you alright, R two? And R two does his little yeah. chirp, you know. So like they're more friends, you know. They they definitely treat them more as if they're as if they're friends, as if they're people, as if they can help them out. Definitely not a war machine like the separatists or even the Empire. You know, they've got a lot of you know all the droids in the Empire have a specific purpose. The mouse droids relay messages, relay orders." You know, the K2SO, like, Imperial security droids, they're there for security. Like, they have a job. That's right. all they're there for. Right. And then you see a character like Poe Dameron, who gets on the floor with his droid and, like, scratches his little underside of his ball droid. And they're yeah. like, hey, buddy, happy beeps. Like, they have, like, this, like, relationship. And they view them as yeah. so much more. They, ha like, hold their droids to a higher value than just what I feel like the general public kind of, like you said, just sees them as, you know, they have a purpose, they have a use, they're a nanny droid, they're a security droid, they're a, you know, diner serving droid. And I feel like sometimes just the way, you know, going back to them learning from society, when, when you treat them like human, it only makes sense that their program might slowly start to learn more from their humans and develop more of that sentient-like, human-like emotions and, and feelings and kind of expression. Yeah. And I've got I've got two Huskies. Well, two Huskies and a Pomsky now. And <laughs> one, of, one of my Huskies is completely crazy. Mara, if you've ever met her, <laughs> she's nuts. But I learned this with dogs, is that if you have a dog that is part of a breed that typically does something, like for example, huskies are working dogs, right? And so if working right. dogs are able to work, 
if they're able to do something where they feel like their job is being fulfilled, they're the happiest. And I feel like that's the same thing with droids. If you have a droid that's programmed to do something, like C-3PO, he's a translator droid, right? If C-3PO can translate, I feel like 3PO will be happiest if he can translate, you know, because that's what his programming was. Yes, he's so proud when it comes to, you know, being able to do that. He doesn't care if it's Jabba. He doesn't care if it's Leia or Padme. He's just happy to be kind of doing his translator job. He doesn't care if it's Ewoks who are about to eat his friends alive. He says, oh, dear, and then, like, does the job anyways. (laughs) (laughs) And so I think you're definitely right. And I think just kind of treating them, you know, he even sees, you know, the disrespect that he gets sometimes when he is doing his job with his, oh, dears and oh, mys. Like, he recognizes when he's being disrespected or talked down to, he'll still do the job because you're right. It's still the base of their programming is what you know is going to make them feel fulfilled but he's still capable too of recognizing when someone's you know being a bit of a jerk yep (laughs) and i feel like the droid really that kind of really makes me think about all of this and was kind of the inspiration for this whole kind of discussion here is l337 from solo a star wars story she makes it abundantly clear at every turn that she doesn't like the way droids are treated and viewed by society and she makes with every time she you know moves her vocal output system she's known that you know droids are sentient droids have rights we can't we shouldn't be treated this way and i just think (laughs) it's I didn't really think about it that way that much until L3 came along. And I was just wondering if after watching Solo and after seeing L3 standing up for her fellow droids, if you kind of viewed the entire system of the way the galaxy far far away treats their droids, if that kind of changed your view at all, or if, if it's just me and my crazy thoughts that don't stop running. <laughs> <laughs> Don't blindly follow the programming. Yeah, yes. no, I I think about characters more than I think about droids, like actual physical in the flesh characters. And when I think about those characters, some of my favorite ones are Anakin, obviously, and he really cares about R2, right? You think about yeah. Rey and Rey really cares about BB-8. Like, she will, she would prefer to save BB-8 than to be fed for however long you know she refuses that that those portions to save bb8 from selling to really, Uncar Plutt. and she really goes out of her way for dio too yep helping him and giving him oil and making him feel safe <laughs> right and that's the thing i mean if you think about some of the things that dio says what dio says are expressions of emotions and droids are not supposed to have emotions, right? They're supposed to follow their programming and not have feelings. Like if you think about to um, the Clone Wars, AZ-3 with him and Fives, and he's like, I think AZ says like, he's like, sometimes I wish I had human emotions, but I do not. <laughs> Goodbye. Like he just like flies <laughs> away. <laughs> right. <laughs> but if you think about Dio, right, when... when 
I think I don't remember exactly what happens, but he goes sad, sad, and then later on, I don't know if it's when he gets his like wheel fixed or his squeaky wheel fixed, or if it's a different point in in time, but happy, happy, like he he's happy yeah. and he's sad, so he has those human emotions, and I feel like not every character in Star Wars views droids as having those emotions, so. Right, and he also like has those moments too where he he really looks for and like when when someone's trying to touch him, like Ray goes to touch him to say hello. I think it, when they first meet him, and he goes, "No, thank you." Like he has like preferences and like just just like is he puts this value on just like consent of someone touching he's, him. He's COVID aware. <laughs> he's, yes, he's very COVID aware. Um, Six feet. He's, yeah. There's so much when I watch TV or movies now where I'm just like, I cringe when people get close to each other. But yeah. that's a different conversation. Um. <laughs> but think, going back to our conversation, think about Hera too. Remember when like Hera's droid got like sabotaged? Chopper? When he got sabotaged by the that Empire listening post or whatever? And Hera's like, don't mess with my droid, you know? And she kind of like shoots that surge back to them. Like, Hera really cares about Chopper. She's super protective of him. And I think a lot of people that really understand droids the most, we get to see in Star Wars, like Hera and Anakin and Rey and Poe, all of them. Yeah. And, two, we get to see those emotions again from Chopper when they go back to Ryloth and they see that, you know, memorialized down Y-Wing that Hera originally found him in. And he, you know, gets all in his feelings and has a moment, you know, by the Y-Wing. And that's, like, another moment of kind of showing how, you know, droids have feelings, too. (laughs) Yep. So... If you see a droid driving around, walking around, don't call them rust buckets and kick them, you know. They have feelings. And let them know that, you know, you can serve their kind here. Um, <laughs> yeah. Because that's kind of the greater question here is, you know, post-L3 and her bringing the, you know, the droids' right, rights movement, you know, to, our, to light and to our thoughts. Do you think that one day we might see a different, you know, world of Star Wars post-Palpatine, post-Empire, where droids have more of an equal place in society to humans. I feel like they'll always still have jobs. They're still, just like humans, we all have jobs, we all have a place in society. But do you think that there will be a time when L3's, you know, activism will finally come to light, even though she's not here to see it happen? absolutely because if you think about it like think about l3 and her movement she started that in solo prior to episode four right we go to episode four we have luke and obi-wan walking into chalman's cantina on tatooine at mos eisley with r2 and 3po that little sensor goes off and we were the bartenders like hey we don't serve their kind here your droids are gonna have to wait outside we don't want them here you know so they wait outside as time goes on in the Star Wars universe, we go back to that same cantina in the Mandalorian, and who's running that bar? Droids. Droids are running the bar, <laughs> yes. So I think, yes, I think L3's movement will continue to expand, and I think droids will have more prevalent roles and prominent roles as the story continues. I think so, too. 
And really kind of here, just to wrap up uh, what was more of a silly conversation, um, this all just kind of came from, you know, a silly conversation about droids, these uh, silly notions of, of sentience and everything that I've been just rolling around through my head. But really, um, I just keep having this image in my head of L3 and running through the spice mines of Kessel proclaiming droids' rights every time I read an article or see something that's going on in our world today. And it just really occurred to me that we look at storytelling, what that when we look at storytelling beyond just its entertainment value, and we kind of get into some of the themes and the messages that the storytellers were trying to get across, that's when I think a story as fun as and out there as Star Wars can really be profound and make a difference in the way we kind of view the world when we kind of view it in this kind of abstract way and, and talk about it and, you know, really dig into the themes. And I I think we all need to be a little bit more like L337 in the world today. You know, L3, you know, she's the droid that recognizes and acknowledges as a problem in her society and does her best to bring change, bring the change she wants to see, you know, in the galaxy. She brings those, you know, thoughts and messages to light. She she calls out her friends when she thinks they aren't taking her seriously. Like, we've seen her call out Lando. Um, what are you, my organic overlord? Um, she, <laughs> she does her best to lift up others around her that are experiencing the same oppression she's fighting, such as that moment in the droid cage fighting scene in Solo when she tells the little droids that, that they're being used. And like you said earlier, don't just blindly follow your programming. Um, and then I just think most importantly, she just speaks up and takes action when she sees something she knows isn't right. And if that's not a huge theme of Star Wars, then I don't know what is. Um, and there's just so many different ways to take action and we don't need to be, you know, a Padme or a Luke of the world to make a difference. Sometimes it's just a droid bringing light to a problem and standing up in those moments uh, kind of as they come in life uh, that could really inspire true change. So I don't know. That's just kind of where this all came from really in my head to kind of bring L3 to light here a little bit. <laughs> yeah. And if you think about L3, you know, she obviously becomes the navigation for the Falcon, right? The the navigation system that the Falcon uses to kind of show them the way, show them the path, show them the way to go. And I think as people watching the film, you know, watching L3 and her actions and, and her ability to kind of creating a an uprising, you know, of the droids to revolt against you know being quote unquote slaves um mm -hmm. on kessel she becomes the way i mean she becomes the navigation she shows you where to go and so even just as a symbol i think following the navigation of l3 will show you the way you know to stand up for what you believe in so yeah 100 percent agree i love that all right, we would like to know what your favorite droid is and some of your favorite parts of droids in the Star Wars universe. Please, we would love to hear your thoughts um, on social media. So, Jesse, where can people find us on social media? You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube, all under the handle at Twin Sons Outpost. 
All right, and if you're looking for other places to listen to our show, you can find us on our website, which is www.twinsonsoutpost.com. Click on the podcast tab on the left-hand side. You'll find all of our episodes there. You can also find us on the Star Wars podcast app through the Google Play Store and also on iTunes. And if you enjoyed this episode and you think we're pretty wizard, go ahead and give us a good review wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you so much for listening to episode 181, where we talked about L3 and droids' rights and some of our favorite droids throughout the Star Wars universe. We'll see you next time, and as always, may the Force be with you. Hi, this is Vanessa Marshall, Harrison Dula from Star Wars Rebels. You've been listening to Twin Suns Transmission, an exciting show where sand gets everywhere. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Twin Suns Podcast Network. May the Force be with you, always. Air Master, Tatooine. It's controlled by the Hut. Rendezvous point on Halloween. You're starting to admire to meet the king.